You're listening to a Sunday service podcast from First Universalist Church of Minneapolis. We're a faith community committed to racial justice, a place where we practice a deep and authentic welcome, where we listen deeply to where love is calling us next, and a place where with humility, courage, and compassion, we act for justice in the world. To learn more, please visit us online at firstuniversalistchurch.org. Let's begin with an opening hymn. The hymn goes like this. Gathered here in the mystery of the hour. Would you say it with me? Gathered here in the mystery of the hour. Gathered here in one strong body. Gathered here in the struggle and the power. Spirit, draw near. Now, I need your help with this one uh, because it, it feels like it's calling out for some sort of hand motions for each one of these. And I need someone's help just suggesting what that might be. So the first one is gathered here in the mystery of the hour. How could we do mystery? Okay, I see, I, I see this. Okay, everyone, let's practice. Gathered here in the mystery of the hour. Oh, y'all ain't practicing. Come on. We gather here in the mystery of the hour. Some of you are. Yes. It's great. Okay. Gathered here in one strong body. One strong body. Oh, I see that. Yes. Okay. I think, I think we all do that. Some version of this. Yes. Okay. Uh, uh, gathered here in the struggle and the power. How about struggle or power? Struggle, power? Oh, yeah, we could do that. Uh, uh, yeah, superwoman pose, anyone? Yes, Wonder, Wonder Woman pose is what, it, is what it's called, yes? I mean, I'll, I'll wait, yes. Uh, a part, of, part of doing this ministry work is, um, uh, is convincing you of what your body deep down really wants to do. It's like, it, it really wants to do this move. It likes it. Yeah. Spirit, draw near is the last line. Spirit, draw near. How about spirit or draw near? Yes. Okay, cool. So we'll do gathered here in the mystery of the hour. Gathered here in one strong body. Gathered here in the struggle and the power. Yes. Spirit, draw near. Will you come and help me out? Gathered here in the mystery of the hour, gathered here in one strong body, gathered here in the struggle and the power. Yes, spirit draw near. Excellent. Would you rise? Oh, that feels good already. One more time. Here we go. Gathered here in the mystery of the hour, gathered here in one strong body, gathered here in the struggle and the power, spirit draw near. Again, gathered here in the mystery of the hour, Gathered here in one strong body, gathered here in the struggle and the power, spirit draw near. Paolo, would you lead? Gathered here in the mystery of the hour, gathered here in one strong body, gathered here in the struggle and the power, spirit draw near. 
And you come with me, yes? Gathered here in the mystery of the hour, gathered here in one strong body, gathered here in the struggle. One more time. Spirit draw near, gathered here in the mystery of the hour, gathered here in one strong body, gathered here in the struggle and the power spirit draw near 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 last time spirit draw Thanks to all the composers in the house. Thanks to all the singers in the house. Thank you. I co-organized a new secret society. One that none of us actually wanted to be in. A dozen of us nervously gathered in my coworkers' home after work. It's mostly women, and I'm frankly surprised that a few of the men showed up, the few men from our office. We range from college undergrads to people with PhDs. One person of color, the rest were white. Some of us barely knew each other, others were old friends. And we sat in a big, anxious circle in the living room. We gathered because our boss badly hurt many of us. One by one, we each told our story of the harmful experiences with him. Until recently, we had each believed that we were the only victim, feeling very alone. But among friends, I'm known as the designated extrovert. <laughs> so naturally, I broke the silence and got people talking to each other, which eventually led to that night at my coworker's home, with everyone finally sitting down together. Somehow, I always felt self-righteous about what I was doing and what I endured and what I did about it. I had that confidence. But for those who still held self-doubt or shame about their experiences, hearing others' similar stories provided the utmost validation, which I felt grateful we could give each other. Some folks experienced little or no mistreatment but listened compassionately to the rest. Some folks admitted that they knew something was happening, and, but they stayed silent, and I struggled to forgive them. Together we cried, we laughed awkwardly, because starting an adult secret society to oppose an evil villain is frankly a little weird. <laughs> and we became empowered. 
Together we felt safe, connected, grounded, sane, and most of all, understood. With that grace and power, we toppled injustice. And isn't that why we come to church? Welcome, dear community, to a circle where grace sets the table and kindness serves the feast. Here, every soul contributes to the banquet of our shared experience. Let us extend a gentle gesture of this grace now. Please turn to one another with a smile as bright as a candle's flame offering and receiving the warmth that invites us to stay at the table together. <laughs> Thank you. Today's table is graced by those who pour their heart into every note and word. I'm Sherry Merriam, one of your worship associates and a member of this community. Many people have joined together to make this service happen, each bringing a special addition to the Feast of Community and spirit before us now, people like John and Olu, Dr. Glenn Thomas, Reverend Arif, our greeters and ushers, and our artists like Paolo, and the visual artists who created this arrangement. All this reminds us of the beauty all over the planet. And now, will you join us to help set the table? Let's engage in an act of communal grace in our three breaths collective. Take a breath to receive love, a breath to offer resilience, take a breath to promise our presence to one another. Ready? One, two, three. As we ready ourselves to light the chalice flame, I invite you to bring your hands together as if gently holding the flame that symbolizes our covenant. Through this physical connection, we acknowledge that staying at the table starts with the grace that we embody together. Harriet, will you come? and lead us in lighting the chalice. And as the fire rises, let your hands fall to your lap in a restful pose, feeling the grace we carry within. Quietly, let us speak the words that weave us tightly in unity and compassion, our covenant spoken as a promise to endure. Together, 
let us say, love is the spirit of this church and service is its law. This is our great covenant to dwell together in peace, to seek the truth in love and to help one another. Harriet, thank you for leading us and reigniting the flame that guides our path. Staying at the table is not just about sitting down. It's about leaning in, listening, and loving with generosity. If we are what we eat, and we truly are, then let us season our days with laughter and empathy and feast at the banquet of beloved community right here. Welcome one and all to this sacred table of togetherness. Thank you, Sherry. I wonder if your family, if yourself, if you have traditions, things that you do all the time, or things that you do a lot before you eat. Don't tell me yet. Before you eat, is there something that you always do? I'll give you an example. Thanksgiving's coming up. And my grandmother, every Thanksgiving since I was, well, since she discovered that I love apple pie, every year she has made one apple pie for the family and a whole other apple pie just for Glenn Thomas right out. <laughs> Even in college, when I couldn't uh, the, the years that I couldn't get back for Thanksgiving, she would call me up and she'd say, well, we got your pie. I don't know how long it's going to be before your uncles eat it, but there is the Glenn Thomas Rideout pie. I know that there are some traditions out there. You may not think of them as traditions, but I wonder if we could share some together. Uh, I think the way we do this is we look for some people who are not in our family unit, maybe some who are in our family unit, and we share with one another. But uh, My grandmother makes a, a pie every Thanksgiving, or at the beginning of a meal, we do this. And then, we'll sh and then we'll share a little bit at the end. Will you tell each other? Just a couple minutes, no life stories. You, you got any? Oh wow, there are there are a lot of them. All right, somebody. Uh, okay, let's share it with the big group. With the whole community, I like, what, what did you have? I know you were. 
A lot of people come to your house for Thanksgiving. Yes, that, that certainly counts. That's magnificent. What else? What other traditions do you have? We make apple dumplings. We make apple dumplings. Ooh, I'm coming to your place. I mean, I, what's what? One more time? You go to your grandma and grandpa. It's cool. What else? You have turkey. Yes. Okay. Great. What's that? What's that? All different pies. I'm going to all of your houses. You shared a high chair through four generations. And has the same person been sitting in at the? No. <laughs> You celebrate with your family. That's great. What else? Football. Football. Ooh, go to the movies after. I love it. Oh, I thought you have. Do you have? Do you have one to, to add? Okay. If you change your mind, just let me know. All right. Mmm, mmm, yes, one more. You go to your friend's house. Great. Share words of gratitude before we eat. Yeah. That's a tradition that I learned here uh, as, uh, when I began working with Unitarian Universalists. When I, we, start, we always prayed at the beginning of our, uh, of our meals, and we thanked God for the bounty, and we thanked uh, God, for all, of the, uh, for all of the people who, and the animals and the minerals that went into it. But it was a new tradition to share gratitude for each other, too. I loved that tradition. All of these traditions, all these things that we do to decorate our meals, we don't have to do them. But they change who we are together when we eat. There's an elegance to it. It's why it's called grace. And we show each other the care and the elegance of being human with one another. That's how we do it in community. And that's how the world changes with love. Oh, we give thanks for this precious day, for all gathered here. And those far away For this time we share With love and care I think Aiden Up is next. Oh, we give thanks For this precious day Would you sing with me? Oh, we give thanks. Oh, we give thanks For this precious day For this precious day For all gathered here for all gathered here and those far away and those far away for this time we share for this time we share with love and care with love and care oh we give thanks oh we give thanks for this precious day for this precious day
Good morning. My name is Jeff Snyder. I'm a member of the First Universalist Board of Trustees. Newest members among us, I invite you to make your way to the chancel using the stairs or ramp. And congregation, let's sling them up to the chancel with come, come, whoever you are. Today we keep a 164-year tradition in motion. Wanderers, worshipers, lovers of leaving, having joined, having said yes to becoming members of this congregation. This morning we celebrate their commitment and welcome them with joy to First Universalist Church of Minneapolis. We who are physically in this space are not the only ones who gather to bear witness and celebrate. We light a candle to honor past members who helped to found and form this community. Their dreams and generosity, their promises and practices show us what is possible. We call our memories to our hearts and their spirits into our celebration. We light a candle now to remember that community will continue beyond us. May a community well-loved and well-kept be our gift to the next generation. We call the generations yet to arrive to our hearts and to their spirits and to our celebration. Celebrating new membership is a way we acknowledge in ritual and in public that we are here that others have made it possible for us to be here and that we join them in the great web of connection. We celebrate that when we engage membership deeply and sustainably, listening to the call of love throughout the seasons of our lives, we will transform and be transformed. 11 new members have joined our congregation this season. Their names are Joining us at uh, 9 o'clock right now, Mary Margaret McGee, Jim Murphy, and Marinda Brayfield. And later at 11, you are most welcome to stay for the second service. I'm serious, y'all. Come on. <laughs> Make it a doubleheader. At 11 o'clock, uh, Amelia Marquez, Nicholas Bolden, Peter Benwitz, Chad Reel, C.T. Neil Herman, Raylan Rassert, and Jessica Hoffman. As a celebration of your new membership, we offer you each a gift. Our senior high youth have made homemade cookies for a variety of diets, by the way, and wrote heartfelt messages of welcome. So there are cookies in your, in your gift bags there. We also offer a chalice 
The chalice's design shows many pieces of glass representing our unique lights that together make one whole orb that carries the flame. And with the chalice, you will find four stones. Each represents one way we keep our membership relevant, engaged, and sustaining through individual spiritual practice, act, acting for justice, stewardship, and building and strengthening community. And for those who have not yet received one, your gift contains your name tag, one of the tools that will help us to remember each other when we gather. New members, I invite you to return to your places in the sanctuary among the community that welcomes you. Good morning, I'm Liz Farmer and I'm the membership coordinator. Good morning. Good morning, Liz. Hi. So when we welcome new members, um, it can be helpful to honor and celebrate the ways that we all have or can engage our membership over the years to show ourselves that we participate in so many capacities and ways of showing up. Membership is more than tenure, it's more than administration, and it's more than status. So we're gonna show each other that. We're gonna show each other this web of possibilities. So, if you have engaged your membership through establishing a regular spiritual practice or maybe trying one on, will you please rise as you are able and make some noise? Woohoo! If you have engaged membership, if you have engaged your membership by acting on the call of justice, by working on a faithful action team, volunteering with any of our community partners like Habitat or AFA, will you please rise as you are able and also make some noise? If you have stewarded this community by being on the board, giving financially, being on a committee, helping with fundraising efforts. Will you please rise as you are able and make some noise? If you have joined or facilitated a small group, attended a community dinner, if you've delivered a meal, introduced yourself and learned someone's name, if you have shared your story with another, will you please rise and make some noise? <laughs> and now, will all visitors, all members, all the people gathered, please rise as you are able and invite you, I invite you, to find someone near you to maybe hook elbows with or kind of touch elbows, join hands, Maybe energetically reach across an aisle. Right. Okay, thank you. I'm like, I'm reaching into the flame. <laughs> yes, I love to see it. Okay. Look around. Look at our web of connection how beautifully woven the ways that we engage up in the balcony, 
<laughs> online too at 11. Our community is made like this, more powerful and more beautiful when we do membership authentically to change and be changed within our community. May it be so, and welcome to our newest members. Beloved family, this tapestry of diverse lives woven into a single united community, united by our shared will and the many individual paths that have led us here, let us now turn inward for a sacred moment of communion with the Spirit. Close your eyes, if you will and anchor yourself in your own way, in the breath that is giving you life. That same breath that once spoke awe into the heavens, ah, and savored the blessing of nourishment, mmm. I am breathing in the silence. I am breathing in the silence. I am breathing in. I am breathing. I am. Now, in this circle of faith and fellowship, I invite each of you to lift up what lies heavy on your heart. If you carry a, a joy so radiant it begs to be shared, or a burden too tender for words, let us be your sanctuary. To signal this to us, speak aloud when the circle is open, and if you'd rather keep silent, I invite you to place your hand over your heart and let that silent pulse beat out a rhythm of trust, a rhythm that says, here I am seen, here I am heard, here I am loved. The circle is open. What would you share? Remind yourself that breath is available. Let us hold none of our stories alone that we don't want to hold alone. Will you say it with me? Let the church say, you are not alone. You are not. We are holding it together. We are holding it 
if the Spirit moves you, if the Spirit moves you, I invite you now to hold these silent stories and echoed joys, broaden your embrace. There's a world out there with valleys low enough to swallow the whole light of day, valleys of injustice and pain and struggle. And so for our sisters caught for our brothers, for our kindred caught in the tempest of oppression or the shadow of neglect, we pray for refuge and resolve. For our earth groaning under the weight of neglect, we pray for restoration and respect. And let's lift up our hearts in prayer for all that's unspoken. For the sick and the sorrowful, will the community say, heal, heal. Say it with me, heal. For those seeking justice in the night, would the community say rise? For the leaders with heavy hands, let the community say guide. For the children of tomorrow, let the church say teach. Spirit of life in the rich tapestry of our collective history, through trials and triumphs, we've learned the power of walking together. So we summon that enduring spirit, the grace that began before words could capture it, the grace that marches with us through history, that sings in our souls, that speaks when words fail. In the stillness that follows our collective amen, may the echoes of our ancestors' prayers resonate with us calling us to live out the love that we profess, to act with the grace we cherish. We are praying in the name of love. Amen. Spirit of life, come unto me. Sing in my heart. Sing in my heart. All the stirrings of compassion. All the stirrings of compassion. Blow in the wind.
Family and faith, with gratitude swelling in our hearts, we acknowledge and celebrate the triumph of our collective spirit. Yes, it's offering time. This week, through your unbounded generosity for the Give to the Max campaign, we have not only met our goal, but we soared past it, raising over $6,000 to expand the reach of love through all our programs and worship. Thank you for each and every contribution that has made this victory possible. But the work of love doesn't pause, does it? And neither does the call to serve. In my travels, uh, each day, I carry this vial of our communal water, a symbol of our shared commitment and enduring support. I sit it in the middle of the table at our meetings. It is a vivid reminder that our actions must match the potency of our covenant. Today we open our hearts once again as we unite our resources for Simpson Housing Services. They are the hands and feet of grace in Minneapolis, providing refuge and pathways to to homefulness for families and individuals grappling with homelessness. This moment we act. We transform our thanksgiving into a lifeline extending the energy of our surpassed goals to those still reaching for hope. Your offerings today will affirm our faith in abundance for all and enable Simpson Housing Services to persist and prevail in breaking the chains of poverty. And we do not forget our own. If you find yourself, it's you, if you find yourself in need of a tender hand, this church is your harbor. Come and see me, see one of our ministers, any of our ministers, and we will help you navigate toward the support you deserve. Let us carry forth the momentum of our campaign's successes. Let your generosity ripple outward from this place, from this vial, into the lives that thirst for the grace that we have to offer. Generosity has spoken loudly this week. Let it speak again. The ushers now will come to receive the morning's offering. I thank you in advance for your generosity.
Imagine with me a place where people are seated around a table, abundant with all types of beautiful, nourishing food. Each person is holding a long spoon, long enough to reach the mouth, but too cumbersome to bring it back to their own mouth, long enough to reach the food. Quarreling, frustration, and despair fill the air. For no one can eat, though they are surrounded by bounty. People are frustrated and unhappy. Now, let's journey together to another place, similar in every way. Same table, same food, same spoons. But the atmosphere here is radically different. It's filled with joy, satisfaction, and mutual care. How, you might ask? Simple. In this place, the people use their long spoons to feed each other. Building bridges between our divisions, I reach out to you, will you reach out to me? With all of our voices and all of our visions, brothers, we can make such sweet harmony. Building bridges between our divisions, I reach out to you, will you reach out to me? With all of our voices and all of our visions, Brothers, we can make such sweet harmony. Building bridges between our divisions, I reach out to you, will you reach out to me? With all of our voices and all of our visions, brothers, we can make such sweet harmony. Building bridges between our divisions, I reach out to you. Between our divisions, I reach out to you. Reach out to me with all of our voices and all of our visions. Brothers, we can make such sweet harmonies. Building bridges between our divisions, I reach out to you. Reach out to me with all of our voices and all of our visions. 
brothers, we can make such sweet harmony. Building bridges between Building our divisions. I reach out to you. Will you I reach out to you? Will you With reach out to me? With all of our voices and all of our visions. Brothers, we can make such sweet harmony. bridges between our divisions. I reach out to you. Will you reach out to me? With all of our voices and all of our visions. And brothers, we can make such Brothers, we can make such sweet harmony. Building bridges between our divisions. I reach out to you. Will you reach out to me? All of our voices and all of our visions. Brothers, we can make such sweet harmony. Building bridges between our divisions. I reach out to you. Will you reach out to me? With all of our voices and all of our visions. Brothers, we can make such sweet harmony. Harmony, building and make such sweet harmony. Brothers, brothers, we can make such sweet harmony. Brothers, we can make such sweet harmony. Brothers, we can make such sweet harmony. Brothers, we make such sweet harmony. Brothers, we can 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 Brothers, we can make such sweet harmony. Brothers, we can make such sweet harmony. I think we need to say thank you for that one more time. It's kind of one of those moments when I'm like, I'm supposed to follow that? <laughs> yeah, this says I'm supposed to follow that. All right. My, um, my, my teaching ministers, supervisors in my internship, wrote a lovely philosophy of worship for one of the churches they served in which they asserted that in UU churches, the message is consumed in the way a Christian congregation would partake of the Lord's Supper. Consumed in order to participate in and create communion. So in this way, let us say a word of grace before we partake together in this ritual of nourishment and sustenance. This food is a gift of the whole universe, the earth, the sky, and much hard work. May we live in a way that is worthy to receive it. Our stories today have spoken of the necessity of grace, of creating a small space of gratitude and humility 
and recognition of our kingdom with those who are by our sides as we embark on the journey of table fellowship and shared food. And it is no accident that we do this today on the last Sunday before many of us will be gathering at table with others in our lives. Hopefully, all loved ones, and hopefully most genuinely liked, though let's be real, most certainly not all, and that's okay. Really, that's okay. We covenant to love one another, not like one another. It's all good. And who amongst us did not have a moment's recognition of the starving and miserly group gathered around the stew pot? Who amongst us has not held the long-handled spoon unable to recognize the common humanity and common sorrow that would connect us to those around us and thereby set us free? Ross Gay knows something of this shared and common sorrow. In the first essay in his collection, Inciting Joy, he writes of a potluck party for sorrow. How he gets there is kind of provocative and well worth repeating at length, so please forgive this long quotation. Gay gets to sorrow not through an advocacy for sorrow itself, but instead by inviting us to stop trying to quarantine ourselves from sorrow, but rather inviting it in. Riffing on Rumi, he suggests that we invite sorrow to tea, that we make it comfortable, that we ask our sorrow about itself. In that conversation, he comes to see that sorrow has a lot to say to us that in fact it might be an idea to invite others to come and hear sorrow too. And hence the potluck party for sorrow is born. He writes, we eventually decide to invite a small group of friends over for a potluck because we want sorrow to meet them. Sorrow says, maybe more than just your closest friends. So we add to the list a couple of acquaintances from work the supermarket, we put our mechanic on the list, our chiropractor, and the neighbors we wave at, but not much more than that. And then Sorrow asks, what about that guy of someone you really don't like? And after thinking about it for a moment, after saying, how did Sorrow know that? You say, I hate that dude. Sorrow says, better invite him too. Damn, okay, you say. Looking over your shoulder as you're growing the invite list, sorrow nudges you in the arm and says, maybe just invite anyone with some sorrow to bring along. Couldn't be that many people. Besides, sorrow says, looking around your little house, this is a good-sized place. So we open it up, bring a dish, and your sorrows. We prepare a few staples with which sorrow helps. And then they start coming in twos and threes and squads and families, so you just keep the door open, front and back, because they are coming in droves. And the house is already too full, way too full, you think, but everyone squishes in and somehow it never quite fills up. I'd like you to meet my sorrow, we holler to one another, dipping the flatbread into the hummus or eating the kimchi with our fingers because the forks are long gone.
Good to meet you, we shout, smiling and nodding at the sorrow, who also smiles and nods and half shrugs and raises their eyebrows. This is mine, we yell, pulling the spoon from the doll we're eating to point to our sorrow, who takes a bite of the lentils and laughs. And around those oatmeal raisin chocolate chip cookies gathers a gaggle of guests and their sorrows, giggling and pretending to fight over the last cookie before one of their sorrows breaks it into ten pieces and they all take their bite from sorrow's hand, moaning like a choir. It goes on like this, getting louder and more raucous and ramshackle, this potluck of sorrows and the dancing which had been intermittent just blasts off. All of us and our sorrows, sweaty, stomping, shaking, tearing it up, the pictures falling off the walls, the books from the shelves, riotous this care, this carrying, this incitement, this joy. Ross Gay goes on to write, my hunch is that joy emanating from our common sorrow might draw us together. It might depolarize us and deatomize us enough that we can consider what in common we love. And though attending to what we hate in common is often all the rage and happens to be very big business. Noticing what we love in common and studying that might help us to survive. It's why I think of joy, which gets us to love as being a practice of survival. This is a provocative notion for me, dancing with each other's sorrows. A provocative notion that our common sorrow is itself the ground of a common joy that is love that is our survival. Flips Maslow on his head, the notion that love is the basis of our survival and that it roots in sorrow, that we can't buy it or hoard it, just make it together. This is such a hearty image, and perhaps a hard one to make real. So I want to get concrete here for a minute. How might we make this real? Because I think Ross Gay is right. What I wonder is, what if, as we gather in the week ahead, we are knowingly or not inviting a potluck of sorrows? Because I think that's what we're doing. Whether we carry them close to the surface or try to stuff them down into our pockets, each of us has our sorrow with us all the time. And just for a moment, imagine what would happen if we lived like that seeing in each person around us the sorrow that's right beside them all the time. Which is to say, what might happen if we perceived each other through the eyes of grace? That's kind of a tall order when the people we're greeting are folks that we have history with, isn't it? A couple of years ago, I read the book of Joy by the 14th Dalai Lama and Desmond Tutu. In that book, the Dalai Lama is asked how he deals with difficulties and fears. How does he deal with all this while also being the leader of his people? In the audiobook version, he pauses a moment and then says roughly this. When I think of myself as the Dalai Lama, things are very hard. 
But when I think of myself as one of eight billion people, when I remember at this very moment there are millions of other people feeling the way that I am, then things are very easy and I can just do what's needed. There's so much wisdom and learning in those few phrases. What I take him to be saying at core is that when he, when any of us is wrapped up in our ego identity, then things are hard because we are very alone. But when we recall that we are but one of billions, and that within that, at any given moment, there are surely millions of people feeling the way that we are in that moment, then things are very easy. We are not alone. We are united with others feeling just as we are and can do exactly what needs to be done. We can feed another with the spoon that we hold, accept food from a spoon held by another. We don't normally see that, do we? That we are one of eight billion people, one amongst millions. Let me see if I can bring this down to earth just a little bit more. A couple of years ago, I was talking with a congregant. He and I had just bonded over the fact that we are secretly both a little road ragey, at least in our heads, at least in our heads. And he shared with me, and I'm sharing this with his permission, he shared with me that what had turned things around for him was realizing one day that the folks in the cars that had really pissed him off might be people that he knew and loved, might be people that he knew and loved and cared about from a small group that he was part of. He said, I don't know that they are, but I don't know that they're not. If they are that person, if they are John or Fred or Ellen or Lisa, I can't imagine that they'd ever do something rude, not on purpose. And if they did, it would be because they had a good reason for it. Maybe they were rushing to a hospital or something. He said, what I realized is that I don't know who they are and I don't know what their rationale might be and it's me making them into a jerk and a problem, not them. When I replaced the person who was anonymous with someone I knew and cared about, it completely changed how I felt about them and what they were doing. And so I want to offer this to you as a practice that we can all do. Just tuck it in your back pocket in case you need it later this week. This idea that we can settle in and see in the people around us, the sorrow that they are bringing to the table. See that it is there right next to ours. Doing this changes nothing about the substance of whatever conflict might exist between us, but maybe it creates just a little bit more space into which love might come along too. Congregation, this is what we are about. Practicing individually and together the things that will help us create a different world within ourselves, amongst us as a community, and out in the wider world. Which is to say that what the world needs right now is us as humans to be different. Think about this. What if the first colonial settlers of this land had hearts that could see the common humanity, the common sorrows that they shared with the first peoples of this land? What might be? 
What I mean is that what we have been doing for the last several hundred years does not seem to be working out so well. And I think it's time we stopped doing the same old things, and it's certainly time we stopped doing the same old things just more and harder. It is not working. It is time for something different. I invite you into these practices because they are concrete ways to transform our hearts. Concrete ways to make more love in the world. Concrete ways to stay at the table with grace when things are easy and when things are hard. And so I hope that we will all work with these practices in the coming week. That we will come back next Sunday and talk about how it was. What was easy? What was hard? Where did we totally fail? Where did new space open up that we had not known was possible? With grace by our side, with our sorrow not far behind, and with love as our guide, may it be so. Amen. And let's sing together. Love will guide us. As we prepare to sing, before we sing, would you just chew on these words with me? Love will guide us. Can you feel it more? Love will guide us. Peace has tried us. Hope inside us will lead the way. As you make your way to standing, gradually I hope, Think love will guide us. On the road from greed to giving, love will guide us through the hard night. Love will guide us, peace has tried us. as we go out guided by love. I invite you to let love guide you down to the social hall after the service where you can meet our new members. You can enjoy some special cookies. You can grab a uh, cheat sheet of new members that gives you a little snapshot of who they are to help you identify them. If you are new to this community, I invite you to join us for a place to start right after the service. It'll be meeting right in this corner, a little 
45-minute introduction to Unitarian Universalism. Most of all, as love guides you out into the world, I invite you to remember that every time we gather, our sorrow and the sorrows of others are right there beside us. I invite you to wonder and perhaps practice with seeing and experiencing and living from this reality and remembering that you are blessed, that you are a blessing, that where we go, we go together. May it be so. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast, please consider supporting our ministry. Text First Univ, that's F-I-R-S-T-U-N-I-V, to 73256 to make your gift. If you are able to join us in person for Sunday worship, we'd love to see you in church. To learn more, visit us online at firstuniversalistchurch.org.